dressed by my mum. <laughs> Thanks, oh, Paul. Did your dad. <laughs> no, he never did that. Please turn to Psalm 1. I've been told I need to stop talking at 10 to 12. Is that right? Okay, cool. You can hold me to that. Give me a, an alarm clock next time I come. <laughs> I was told to uh, bring a message from uh, the first book of Psalms, so I've chosen the first Psalm, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So he's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. But the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And in its parallel passage in the book of Jeremiah, if you would, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Do you trust in the Lord? Anybody here trust in the Lord? And you're blessed. Whose confidence is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Amen. Father, thank you that your blessing is always upon your word. And we pray, Father, as we sow its seed, that it will find good ground, fruitful ground, on which it can germinate and grow and bring its intended purpose, fruit, for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've got a ton of notes. I won't get through them in 27 minutes, so I won't even bother trying. I'll just speak out what's been the kind of thing that's been on my heart for a long time. Now, it's how do you become fruitful? How do you live a blessed life? How do you get into that place where no matter what you're going through, God will always be the source of your supply. He'll always have his hand on your life. That place where you can be and you'll always know that God is with you no matter what you're going through. And your anchor is put down so solidly and strongly that you'll always be able to call upon the name of the Lord and the Lord will be with you and the Lord will answer you. Amen? Because according to these two scriptures, you can get into that place. Anybody want to be in that place? Yes? Sorry, we're a very active church over at Queen's Road and we get people talking to each other and whatever during the sermon as well. 
I just like people to move, you know. I get very uncomfortable when people just sit there and listen to me because I don't know what's going on in their minds, you know. So, smile, please, and encourage me. <laughs> and I won't go into my clam, okay? Because I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm like that, okay, in crowds of people. Psalm 1 verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. You've got a contrast of two kinds of people. The person that trusts the world. The person that trusts and finds their anchor and their foundation in secular values. And the other person that lives in the same world, surrounded by the same kind of values but makes a different heart choice. And that choice is to root him or herself in the values, the principles, the teachings of the Word of God and to bring those into the practical day-to-day issues of their life. I was glad to hear somebody praying that somebody who was sick would get better or would get healed. We pray for that a lot in our church and we see it working time after time after time. God is a God who can do miracles, who can touch people's lives, and who can minister to God's, to the person's entire being. Every part of your being comes into the kingdom of God with you when you become a believer. And there's nothing too hard for the Lord, and there is no part of your life that God cannot touch. Amen? He wants to produce people of faith, people who know Him. It says in the book of Hebrews, they will all know me. Amen? They will know me, and therefore they will know my character. They will know the kind of God that I am, and they will know what I can do. Amen? And they'll believe me to the point of practicality. I guess at least most people in this room today are more interested in the second person than the first person. At least I would have hoped so anyway. His delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. You know, that that verse, that word there, finds its place. It's spoken first of all, actually, in the book of Joshua. When Joshua was about to go into the promised land and over the river Jordan and take the crowds of Israelites with him, it was God's full intention and purpose to give the promised land to them. They were the children of of his promise. Amen? And God said these words to him. It's very, very similar. Don't let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and you will be successful. Amen? Have I not commanded you Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. So they were going to go into some kind of situations which would have been humanly frightening to them, humanly terrifying to them. Things would would have shaken their confidence, shaken their trust in God. The realities of everyday life can do that to you and me, even as believers. You can walk through daily life. You can get distracted by worries, by issues. My son's just about to go into his GCSEs. He's doing all of his coursework. I think I'm more stressed than he is. Because I'm his dad. He'll get through them all right. 
But it's that stress, you know, that just the ordinary, everyday things of life can come in and they can sometimes rob you of your joy and your peace because you're so focused on those or by the size or the nature of the issue that you face that it can actually take your focus away from the Word of God. If there's one thing that you need to do, what we all need to do as the people of God in our daily life is to live with what I call bifocal lenses. I've just got my first pair of reading glasses because the lenses in my eye are going a bit hard, you know, with, with I won't say with age, okay, because I'm not going to apply that one to myself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be as young as the eagles, okay? Um, bifocal lenses. That means you have two lens, two, two, two different focal um, lengths in your glasses. One, figuratively speaking, you live in the real world. You live in the day, the, you, you live in the day-to-day reality of, of, of living in this world. But with the other lens, you focus on the Word of God so that you learn to bring the principles and the teachings of the Word of God into the very fabric of your daily living. Amen? That's what brings success, that's what brings prosperity, and that's what brings the blessing of God. The seed of the Word of God in your life can be um, strangled by the worries and the cares of this life. That's what the parable of the sower says. And we can have the Word of God sown into our hearts on a regular basis. We can read it and whatever. But the anxieties and the worries of life can push out its intended effect. You have therefore a battle going on in your daily life between the issues that you face and the Word of God that you know. What we have to learn to do as believers is to bring those two things together so that the one can affect the other and bring its intended purpose into our daily life. Amen? Amen? I mean, the Bible tells me at the moment, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do I feel peace in my mind and your heart right now, today? It's a struggle because of the stress that I'm also going through at the same time. So in in the stress that I'm going through, I can't afford to let that push out the peace of God that God wants me to live in. I've got to fight to keep in the peace of God. I've got to fight to keep in the reality of the word and to keep faith in my God so that I can believe him for the daily practicality of things that I'm going through right now. Amen? How many of you are going through stuff? Go on, be honest, be honest, I am. I'm a pastor, I'm a parent as well, I'm a father, and whatever else, I'm a brother and brother-in-law. Issues. But in the middle of it all, we need to root ourselves in the Word of God. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of water, amen? You've got it here, you've got it in Jeremiah, and you've also got it in the end, the end of the book, in the book of Revelation, where you see the, the tree of life planted by the stream that's coming down from the throne of God. Three times you'll see it in Scripture. If Scripture repeats itself, then you know that it's important. When God wanted to speak to people in the Bible and he wanted to make a point with them, he would always repeat their name. Are you with that? Yeah, Abraham. Abraham. Or when he went to speak to Samuel, he actually went three times to Samuel and he repeated his name. Yeah, he'll call you by your name. But if God repeats something, he's trying to make a point. And one of the studies I did a couple of years ago, I suddenly realized... 
that a lot of scripture is actually repeated within scripture. And I got that, uh, I got a verse that says, the Lord is my strength and my song from the book of Psalms. And I suddenly realized that was quoted first by Hannah, uh, by Miriam when they crossed the Red Sea. It's one of the first lines of Miriam's song in Exodus chapter 15. The Lord is my strength and my song because he's seen me through the Red Sea. He's seen me through that great challenge. So I, I sing, he's my strength and my life. David picks up that same song and he repeats it in Psalm 118. Why? Because he's knowing the same thing in his own experience. The Lord is my strength and my song too. He's been yours, he's mine too. And then Isaiah picks up the same verse in Isaiah chapter 12. And he says, the Lord is my strength and my song as well. He's yours, he's yours, he's also mine because we're discovering the same truth. We're all discovering in experience that God is the same for you as he is for me. His word is the same, his promises are the same and there's no difference in us except perhaps in the level of our experience with God or the place where we are in our walk with God. But God himself doesn't change for anybody. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. I am the Lord, I change not. So he's my strength and he's my song. And you've got this same thing here. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water. So what have you got to do? You've got to learn to root yourself near the stream. Root yourself near the stream. Which means you've got to plant yourself in such a way that the roots of your life go down into the ground. Yeah? It's no good being a tree, as it were, without roots. A, you won't produce much fruit, but B, when the strong wind comes, it'll just blow you away. Yeah? The the tree stands because it's put its roots down deep. And its roots go down deeper every year. That kind of tree can't be moved. It can't be, it can't be uprooted by the force and the strength of what's coming against it. You can, I can, if my root doesn't go down. I have to make a choice when I go through stress. I have to make a choice when I go through difficult circumstances. I have to make a choice when I'm going through a particular personal need to put my root even deeper down in God. That's a conscious choice I have to make. And I have to get myself in such a frame of mind that I say, yes, I will go to God. Yes, I will feed myself on the word of God. Yes, I will spend time in his presence and I will stay there until the stress and the issue is gone and I'm filled with the peace of God. And that will help me to walk through life. Amen? Or am I talking too fast? Am I doing okay? Because I've only got 15 minutes left, okay? In my church, I preach for 50 minutes. And there's no limit. Sorry, don't take me wrong, okay? I, I'm just free to do that. I'm, anybody that comes to my church, that's, that's what we do anyway. Put your roots down in the Word of God, yeah? Now, Joshua, the, the Word of God to Joshua was meditate on it day and night. You want success? You want prosperity, you want fruitfulness, you want growth, you want God to be the same God for you as he was for the people in the Bible, then you have to do what they did. Yeah? Joshua couldn't simply go into the promised land and expect all of those nations just to surrender their swords and their shields and their homes and their land. He couldn't kill the Nephilim giants that were there, except with God. And God was with him. And it happened. 
But God's word to Joshua was this. If you want to see it happen, there's one thing you also have to do. You have to learn to root yourself in the word of God. You have to learn to meditate on the word of God day and night. You know the cow, don't you, yeah? In a field, it's got, was it six stomachs, five stomachs, something something like that. I've got a lot of stomach. Four, sorry, four, you know better. It eats the grass. It swallows it down. And then later in the evening, it sits or lies down in the grass. And what does it do? It regurgitates some of that food that it's already eaten. And it goes through it one more time. We call it chewing the cud. Yeah? It goes through one more time what it's already learned. See? You won't know the Bible until you've read it a hundred or a thousand times. I've been reading this book for 35 years. I've read some parts of this book literally hundreds of times. It's underlined, it's coloured in, it's got notes made on the page, sometimes so many notes, I can't even read the Bible anymore. Yeah? Because I just jot down a thought that comes to my mind when I'm in the book. Amen? It's getting us into the book so that the book can get into us. Yeah? It's not the amount of time you spend reading on it. You know, you, that, that's, that's, don't, don't think that. that. That's ridiculous, okay? So when I was at Bible school, one of our lecturers used a particular Bible reading guide and he suggested everybody should read seven chapters a day. And I thought, well, I was 23 at the time. I thought, I can do that, you know. So I started reading seven chapters a day and you know what? I couldn't remember them. By the time I got to the seventh, end of the seventh chapter, I'd forgotten what the first chapter said. And then I heard another preacher that told me a nugget. He said, if you want to get the word of God in, you don't read long parts of it. It's better to read the word of God in short measure and get that short measure within you and meditate on it and think about it and absorb it and let it begin to have its effect upon you than to read a whole load of chapters thinking you're doing yourself good and actually you forget it and then you're not doing yourself any good at all. The, way, the best way to read the Bible is actually to read short parts of it. But when you've read that short part, read it again. Read it again. Read it again. Get it into your, 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 your ears, your eyes, and then into your mind and then let what's in your mind fall down into your heart. Amen. When the word of God gets into your heart, it produces life, joy, peace, freedom, blessing. It lifts you up. And lo and behold, do you know what happens then? When something comes against you or you face an issue in life, all of a sudden you find yourself, you've got the faith to withstand it. You've got the faith to address it. You can go to pray to God and you can say, yes, God, I believe you promised. I believe you would. I believe that you're with me. Please minister to me. Please deliver me. Please whatever in this situation that I'm in. And God will, cloak, will, will, will lock his hand with yours and walk all the way through it with you. And he will prove himself to be the God of the Bible. Amen? Amen? So we have to learn to meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. That's not just having a quiet time in the morning. I believe in having quiet times. When my kids were born and they were babies, I couldn't have quiet times because so, I was just so exhausted and 
the kids would wake up and they'd be waking up all night. And by 8 o'clock in the morning, I thought I'd already done my day shift, see? Work out your Bible reading pattern yourself. Get it wrapped around your own daily schedule. Work out how it's going to work with you. Because you're all at different stages of life. Work out how it works for you, but get into the Word of God. Find a place where the Word of God, where you're giving God a chance, giving the Holy Spirit a chance to get the Word of God inside you. When the Word of God is inside you, it will begin to produce its effects, and that's fruitfulness. Amen? Fruitfulness. He meditates on it day and night. Why does he do it? Because he delights in it. He delights in it. Yeah? How many of you like sport? I love cricket, okay, and you may not like it. I love cricket. It's my game. I love it, yeah? Off-spin bowling, love it. 2020, about a month ago, didn't watch it because we don't have the sports channels, but I, I watched it on a text. I worked, listened to all the, got all the reports and so on. If it wasn't for that last over, we'd have won it, wouldn't we? <laughs> my delight was in it. Therefore, I gave it my attention. You will do what you delight to do. If your delight is over here, you'll have no problem doing it. One of the problems of the Word of God is that when you go away from it, you become cold towards it, so you lose your delight in it. You've got to fight for yourself. Amen? When you're in school, one of, the ma- one of the major lessons that children and teenagers have to learn is that they're not in school simply because the state tells them they have to be there. They're not there simply because their parents make it happen every day. They are there, and this is the lesson they have to learn, they are there for their own good. They are learning for their own good. So those GCE, GCSEs and those A-levels, you do them not to please mum and dad. You do them for yourself. That attitude changes something within you. And when you've learned that, you begin to fight for yourself. You'll study as much as you want, as much as you can, because your heart's in it and you know you're doing it for yourself. You read the Word of God for your own good. Because it is the greatest thing, it's it's the greatest blessing that you'll have. And it will do you more good than anything else in life. Amen. I love football. I love it. I love rugby. I I love sport. Okay, I'm a sporty kind of person, at least from an armchair. I love it. I love to look at the tables and the results and see who's going to get relegated and who's going to get promoted and all of that, yeah? Delight. Love. And it's the same with the Word of God. Don't let things push out the Word of God. Always find a place for it. And keep going back to it. Chew the cud on it. Amen. On his law, he meditates day and night. I was preaching from Hosea last week in our church and um, saw some things there that I'd never really paid much attention to, even in 35 years of Bible reading. One of the verses was from Hosea chapter 9. It says these, you know, Israel in its backslidden state. Ephraim is blighted. Their root is withered. They yield no fruit. 
they yield no fruit because their root is withered. Their state of spiritual health is blighted because they won't walk in the principles of the Word of God. Amen? And we all know the sorry state that Israel ended up in him. It's the opposite of what it says in Psalm 1. God doesn't want our root withered. He doesn't want us blighted. He wants us whole. He wants us healthy. He wants us growing. Amen? And yielding fruit. So Jeremiah takes up the same truth. And because it's the same truth, repeated twice, at least, in the Old Testament, it is therefore important, and we therefore pay attention to it. Because if God says it twice, it must be important. He says it once, we move on, we get busy, and God reminds us again somewhere else of the same thing. So it's something that we have to bend our ear to. Amen? In my wife's language, they have a... When, when you've got to pay attention to something, they have a little saying. You, remember, you, know, you know a dog? Yeah, when it pricks its ears up, doesn't it? When it hears a sound, it's paying attention. It pricks its ears up. And that's the word they use of people in their language to describe paying attention. You've got to prick your ears up. Prick your ears up. Prick your ears up. What is God saying? What is God saying? I've got five minutes, don't worry. I'll, I'll be gone soon. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Why? Tree planted by the water sends out its roots by the stream. Therefore, it does not fear when heat comes. It has no worries in a time of drought. That means, and I'm sorry to contradict some people that may be out there somewhere that seem to think that if you're a Christian, you don't have problems. It's ridiculously wrong. Ridiculously wrong. Heat will come. Yeah? A year of drought will come. Testing does come. Life itself will throw enough at you to really challenge your faith, shake your faith, try and move you away from it, try to get you to the place where you begin to doubt God, rather than linking hands with God and taking God with you into issues. Times of drought do come. Testings do come. Times of heat, overwhelming heat, it's talking about here because they were in Israel. Those kind of times do come. Anybody know that? Yeah. The man that's root, the man or the woman that's rooted in the Word of God, rooted in it, hanging onto it, holding onto it, living by it, having these bifocal lenses where we can see one reality, but we can also see yet another, and we superimpose the second on the first. We don't allow the first to rule the second. The last word doesn't remain with the world, it doesn't remain with life, it doesn't remain with situation, it remains with God. So bring God into the equation and let the weight of his presence overwhelm what's going on in your life. Yeah? He has no fear when he comes. And no worries 
No worries. No worries. Remember that t-shirt 20 years ago? Don't worry. Be happy. Do you remember that one? Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, 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 absolutely everything, learn to pray and bring your petitions to God. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too big. There is nothing that God does not concern himself with. He loves you from head to foot and all the way around. That means he loves and he's concerned with anything that concerns you. You, There's nothing in your life that you cannot take to God and know his peace about if we learn to do it. So this person that's rooted in the word of God, planted by streams of water, knows what it is to spend time regularly in the presence of God, drinking in and feeding himself on the principles of the word of God. That person is a person that knows no worry. See, you and I are different, right? And not just because I'm a, I'm a pastor or anything like that, but simply because we're different human beings, yeah? We can be going through the same kind of issue, but you may respond differently to me. You may respond out of worry. I may respond out of faith. There will be times when those roles are reversed. You'll respond out of faith. I'll respond out of worry. The antidote to worry Stress, anxiety and unbelief is rooting yourself in the Word of God. So if you find yourself responding out of worry and anxiety, what you need to do is go back and chew the cud. Get the Bible out again. Let it wash over you again. Let it strengthen you again. Amen? Root yourself and ground yourself in the Word of God. Amen? God bless you. Thanks, John.